You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Well, good morning, Riverside. Good morning, everyone up at the mills. It's good to be worshiping with you up there today. And uh, we are beginning a new sermon series today during this season of Lent that we are calling Enough. Enough. And I'll I'll get to that in just a moment. But first, let me say uh, it's good to be back again here in the pulpit. I was away for a couple weeks. And I want to tell you that my I went to, to Asia, to Bangkok, and to Cambodia. In Bangkok, I had the opportunity to minister at a church that we partner with over there. Kevin and Cindy Barner are um, some of the two people that we partnered with for many years. They were in Moscow. Now they're in Bangkok. And they lead an international congregation right in this incredibly metropolitan city. And to be able to speak and worship with uh, a room full of people that are from over 30 different nations, all worshiping. And we sang, Your Love Knows No End. And I tell you what, that song with these people who, who really know and get the love of God and singing it together, it's just, it was a little taste of heaven. I loved it. It was fantastic. And I yearn for that kind of hunger for God that I sense in these people that come. Many of them are there from other nations because they're, they're, uh, they're, they're refugees from other nations. Maybe some of them are there to do international business. Some of them are there uh, as uh, NGO leaders and workers. So uh, it, it, it's just a cool environment. I wish I could take everybody with me there to experience that. And then in Cambodia, I was with our own Steve and Christy Pink, who were on staff with us. If you're new to the church, they moved to Cambodia last year. Steve is a graphic artist and a teacher, and his mission over there is to create a school, an apprenticeship for, for young people that are graduating from the orphanages that that many of you support and we have supported here and to help train them and teach them a trade so that they can have a sustainable way of living in this third world, very uh, developing nation and everything is going well for them. Steve and Christy, I couldn't be more proud of the work that they're doing over there and need to be able to partner with them. So, So it was great, but I'm glad to be back, and I'm glad to be worshiping with you today as we begin this series called Enough. I want to speak to you about the power of one word, the power of just one word, what one word could do for you. Uh, I I learned this uh, a couple years ago when I started a graduate program that I'm in, and and then I'm having to do all these assignments, and I'm having to write papers, and I'm having to do all this clinical work, and that, and And it was getting a little overwhelming for me because I'd wake up every day and say, I have to get this done today. I have to get that done today. I have to get that done. And I learned that by just changing one word, it changed my attitude about everything. I changed the word have to the word get. And I started saying, I get to do this. Because I volunteered for this. I, it was my decision. Nobody made me do this. I stepped up for that. And as soon as I started saying, no, I don't have to do this. I get to do this. I get to do this. It changed my attitude about everything. And it really helped me for quite a while in that program. And I'm needing to say that again. But I understand that, you know what, when you come to church, how many times we come to church and we say, I have to go to church today. I have to go to church. It's what's expected of me. You know, I got to go to church today because I know that people think, will think better of me. Man, 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 we got to get that attitude out of our minds and we got to get up and say, I get to go to church today. I get to worship God today. 
I get to be in the presence of God with other believers. I get to hear from God's word today. And when we come with that attitude, I get to, it changes everything that we will receive when we come here today. And any Sunday that we gather together. A book somebody gave me a couple weeks ago, a friend gave me a book called One Perfect Word by Debbie McCumber. And she's an entrepreneur and she gets together with other entrepreneurs and they have a group and a small group together. And for the last, oh, I don't know how many years, several years, they have decided that they're going to take one word from God's word and focus on that for one whole year. And I think so often we get so many words flooding our brains, going in one ear, they just go out the other. And their idea was if we just take one word and settle in on that for the whole year, let that rattle around in our brains, let it sink down into our hearts, what would it do? And so over the words, they've, they've, they've focused on words such as trust. You know, for a whole word, whole year, just let that one word, trust, sink in. Brokenness. What does that mean? What if we just focused on that for a whole year and let us understand our brokenness and the brokenness of Jesus when he said came and said, you know, this is my body which is broken for you. How does that mean? What does that mean for me? Brokenness. Words like like hope, surrender. You know, so so what a great book. And she said that as they've done that, it has it has changed far more about her and her understanding of God than anything else that she had ever done. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words, my words remain in you, get those words in you, not just going through you, but in you. If they remain in you, then he says, ask whatever you want and it'll be done for you. So here during this season of Lent, as we head up into Easter, the word that I hope that I'm going to hold out for you, and I, I want you to consider taking that word, just letting it into your head, and, and letting it rattle around your brain, chewing on it, letting it, swallowing that, digesting that word, letting that word, become, and that's the word enough. Would you just say that word with me again? It, with, enough. enough. Let's say it again. Enough. Enough. Wow. I've had... Enough. Uh, That's the word I want us to dwell on. Lent begins with Ash Wednesday. And uh, in our tradition, we don't do this. I I sometimes wish that I would. Maybe someday I will. But in many traditions, they do Ash Wednesday where you come and the minister or the priest takes the ashes and puts it on your forehead and repeats the scripture that says, Remember that thou art dust, and to thus thou shalt return. Repent and believe the gospel. And so... And so the season of Lent is a time to, to think about our, our fleeting life. That we're, from dust we came to dust we shall return. And so let's repent and believe the good news. Life is temporary. Life is fleeting. Life is transient. So during this time we consider what the meaning of our transient life is. There's got to be good news in all of that. So, so it's a time of fasting, it's a time of reflection, it's a time of doing what Psalm 90 says, where it says, teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. So during this season of Lent, I want enough to be that, that thing that I want us to focus on. 
enough. The definition is adequate for the want or need, sufficient for the purpose, or to satisfy the desire. So let's ask the question, do you have enough? Enough what? Do you have enough? Do you have enough clothes? <laughs> Let me think about that. Hmm, man, there's a big sale coming. You know, the spring sales, is, they're all over the shelves. I don't know if I have enough. Do I have enough shoes? No. no. <laughs> An honest person. It's just a place to be transparent. Do I have enough food? Oh, do I have enough entertainment? Do I have enough social networking? Is there enough technology in my life? Is the roof over my head enough for me? Is my savings account enough? Oh, no, no. Do I have enough debt? Yes. We all have too much debt, but not enough stuff. Hmm. I wonder if there's a relationship between that. I wonder if there's something about that. How much is enough? How much is enough? Rockefeller was asked that one time. How much more would be enough? Just a little bit more. Enough is that, that sweet spot between... Want and need. You have enough to meet your need, but you don't need more. It's that, that, that enough is that place where your, your hunger is quenched and there's still food in front of you and you're able to say, I had enough, and you slide the plate away and you're able to walk away. Maybe even leave a little bit of room for dessert. Enough. It's that, it's that ability to say, this is good. I'm thankful. Now I can move on for other things. Teresa and I watched a documentary recently, The Queen of Versailles. I don't know if any of you watched that. Uh, but it's, uh, it's the story about Jackie and David Siegel, the couple who live in Orlando. Uh, he or they are the owners of Westgate Resorts, which was the largest timeshare company in the country, maybe in the world. And they set out to build the largest single-family house in the United States. And they were calling it Versailles because they were going to model it after the Palace of Versailles in France. And so the documentary begins by wanting to chronicle the building of this house. But right as they built the shell of the house up, they got it all up, the, the prime, subprime mortgage collapse happened. Now, understand this. His business was built completely on leveraging debt because he wanted to just keep building the business as big as it could get so they would always take whatever they built and borrow off of that and invest in the next resort, the next big casino. And the last project that he was building was a giant casino, the biggest casino in Las Vegas was what they were working on. And then the, this, this hit and all of a sudden the banks would not loan them the money. And he was so far underwater, he could never 
continue on. So they went from this family that had more than enough to a family that all of a sudden they had to look at their cash flow and start selling off. And it's a really sad documentary. It's a tragic documentary, but it is a real study of this idea that the American lifestyle could always be ever extending, extending and expanding and, and growing for more and more. And and he in his business and she in her own personal desire for more stuff. Uh, at, at one point in the movie, I think they had eight kids and because uh, there's never enough kids. And so they had eight kids and they're and and so they're building this big house and they just keep buying more and more stuff. One they showed her when when they couldn't borrow money to do anything and they were running out, you know, they're they're basically on paper, probably far poorer than any of us in this room, but they have more stuff than you could believe. And she go out shopping and, and just fill truckloads of gifts for the kids going through the toy stores and just pulling everything off the shelves, buying everybody a brand new bike. And then they go home and they open one of their mini garage doors to uh, put the new nine bikes or eight bikes that she bought for them. And there's like 40 bikes already sitting there. And, and, you know, I look at that and I think, well, I'm not like that. But you know what? If the people that I visited in Cambodia came to my house, they'd probably say, boy, you have enough. When they only have the clothes on their back and if they're rich, another set of clothes to change into. And that's enough for them. And they look at my closets So this disease that we never have enough, this monster of more as we've talked about it in the past, it affects all of us. It affects all of us. That if I just have a little bit more, I'm going to be happy. If I just so really this 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 house that was started back in 06 or 08 or wherever that was, it's now sitting there still empty in Florida, and they've never been able to complete it. And I don't even know if they still own it or if the bank owns it by now. But it's just a, you know a documentary about this this crazy the emptiness of a lifestyle that's built on the myth that more just a little bit more will make me happy. So this, I can't get enough sickness, leads to more than enough stuff. Too much stuff. Too much debt, too much stuff, too much food, and excess in all kinds of ways. But not enough savings. Not enough to be able to have some left over to be able to give and care for others around me. More than that, it's like this beautiful mansion that we build that we think it's going to have everything we ever need. And we walk in, it's really empty. And then the door locks behind us and we're trapped by the very thing that we thought was going to satisfy us. We become imprisoned by the things that we think are going to give us just enough to make us happy. Jesus was very clear about the deceitfulness of this not having enough, this this monster of more, and uh, the deceitfulness of money. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, also in Luke 12, he, he talks about this in his in the Sermon on the Mount, the seminal sermon. He says in Matthew 6, verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so what he's saying is that your heart resides where your treasure lies. Tony Bennett saying, I left my heart right. Finish it in. There you go. You got it. 
So where's your heart these days? Is your heart in the stock market? Every day you got to check that, man. You got to see, do you have more today or less today? Are, are you feeling better or are you feeling worse about that balance that you're trying to save because you got to have some money there for retirement or whatever it is you're investing for? Is your heart there? And, and does your heart rise and fall with the market? Maybe, maybe your heart's in, in your career. You know, it's like, man, I know that I can, I, I got to prove myself. I got to. I got to make sure that I climb this ladder and I'm going to do everything I can to succeed and I need to make sure that everybody thinks highly of me and my whole heart's wrapped around that career. Maybe it's your appearance and you think more about what others think of you and how they think you look than anything else and your heart rises and falls depends upon what you think you look like in the mirror that day. So you spend all your energy trying to make yourself look better than what you really are so that you might think that people will like you better than they like you. And it's just a trap. It's this, this trap. We have our hearts set on so many things. Maybe it's on the people you love, and that's not a bad thing. And actually, in all of these things, they're not all bad. I mean, you really should have enough money saved so that you're not dependent. I hope that I can save enough money so I don't have to depend on others when I get older. There's nothing wrong with that. But how much is enough is the big question. How much is enough? That's, that's, the, that's the real trick, right? Maybe, you know, I want my calling to be uh, honoring to God. I want to succeed. I want to take it seriously. I want to work hard at my career. You know, I don't want to offend people with my looks. I want to be able to have a good appearance. I, 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 I love my kids. I love my spouse. I love my friends and family. No, no those things aren't necessarily wrong. But just remember this. Every one of those things I mentioned is going to rust. It's made from dust. You die, and even if it's there in the, in the bank account, you can't take it with you. It's all going to go back in the box. We gain, we spend the first half of our life trying to acquire as much as we can, and then we try to hold on to it as long as we can, and we end up learning that we just have to give it all away in the end anyhow. Say, why do I have all this stuff? What good is it doing for me? Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 6, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And so what he's saying here is you become what you treasure. You know the saying, you are what you eat, right? And so you become the very thing that you treasure. Um, Though we here in Oakmont have a place of business about a block away from here. And I walk in that place, Oakmont Bakery. And it is full of treasures. It is full of treasures. And sometimes I go down there in the middle of the day just to stand and look, <laughs> smell. You don't, you don't have to pay to smell it. And uh, rarely will I walk out of there without something. But, you know, this time of year, they have one of the things that I treasure most. And uh, they do it. It's a seasonal thing. And it's, it's these, like, large, puffy donuts filled with custard, 
covered with icing. Pushkis. 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 How many have had pushkis? Oh. Oh, man. Oh, that's hard. That's hard. The eyes are the window of your heart. And when I set my eyes on those things, I, my heart just beats faster. But, you know, so when you set your eyes on healthy things, you're going to be healthy. But if you set your eyes on unhealthy things, yours can become one giant putschke. I mean, (laughs) if you do too much of that, you, you become what you eat. So the word enough is that ability to walk in there and say, I've had enough. Or to cut that in half and just say, okay, that's enough. You know, and to be able to walk away. Now that's, that's a spiritual gift to be able to have that, to say that. To know when to say when. Say that was good. Thank you, God, for all that I have. Thank you, God, for what I currently am able to digest. Thank you, God, for what I'm able to to put in my stomach today because I know there are people around the world that struggle to find anything to eat and we have all these choices. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for enough. God, you are more than enough for me. And that applies to every area of our life. Not just food, but clothes and shoes (laughs) and and your savings, and your entertainment, and sex, and alcohol, and Facebook, and it's being able to say, this is getting out of control. Enough is enough. And put it away. Slide it away. I don't need that. I don't need that. Let's just say that word enough again. All right? One more time. Okay, one more time. There, it gets easier the more you say it, doesn't it? Maybe the rest of our time we should just repeat the mantra, enough, enough. You know, that might might help. But Jesus went on to say, no one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate the one and love the other, or you're going to be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Notice, He equates money as a little G God. You cannot serve the big G God and also the little G God of money. Because if you end up serving the little G God, it becomes your big G God. And the big G God becomes your little G God. Jesus said elsewhere, what does it profit you if you gain the whole world and yet you lose your soul? And so... If it all goes back in the box, how do we learn to say enough is enough? Enough is enough. Enough is enough. If we can say enough to the little G-gods of our life, then there's always going to be the big G-god in our life who's going to be more than enough for us. Or maybe I should reverse that and say, if the big G-god, God, is more than enough, then we have the capacity to the little G-gods and say, I've had enough. I've had enough. And I can walk away from you. 
I don't need you. I can live without you. So how do we learn to do that? How do we say that? Well, you know, from the very beginning of of time uh, and, and God's forming his people, we see that God is teaching his people the lesson of knowing how to say enough is enough. And, and if you have your Bible, turn with me if you would quickly. If you, if you don't, I will read the story here in Exodus chapter 16. It tells a story about the people of God after they were delivered from Egypt and they're wandering in the wilderness. Uh, they um, get out there, they get a little tired, they get a little hungry, they get a little thirsty, they get grumpy, and they remembered the food they had back in Egypt, and they are saying, oh, you know, if only we were back in Egypt, we need to go back in Egypt, oh Moses, why did you take us out here to die, and yada yada, and they remember the food, and the food wasn't that great, but then when you don't have any food, even bad food looks good to you, right? So, but, but God heard them, and, and he heard their cries, and he said, okay, here's what I'll do to take care of you. Every morning when you wake up, there's going to be dew that's come down from heaven, and it's going to be like bread for you. And it's called manna. You know what manna literally means? In, in Hebrew, it means, what is it? What is it? What is it? And, and it's described as this little honey-like, bread-like substance that they could gather. And so, you know, it was putchkis. God, God loved them so much that he rained down putchkis from heaven on them. But he, and that's how much God loves you. I just want you to know that. But it was this honey-like, bread-like substance, and they could gather only enough for that day, because it would spoil. It would spoil. They couldn't, they couldn't hoard it. They couldn't get more than what their family needed, because they needed to leave enough for the rest of the people. And it was like God's going to say to them, you know what? I am enough for you for today. Tomorrow, I'll be enough for you for tomorrow. The next day, I will be enough for you for that day. And, and, and exactly that's what Jesus said when he said, why worry about tomorrow? Because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. If God is enough for you today, then God will be enough for you tomorrow. And so by this idea of manna and then quail that would come down, so they'd have their pastries in the morning, they'd have their meat at night, and it was enough for God to be able to provide for them as they wandered in this wilderness. Do you remember what happened? So as, it, as, as this substance would spoil, you know, and they would get sick in their stomachs, they learned that God was more than just about giving them bread. It was a reminder that God is the one in whom we can trust. He is going to be sufficient for every day. For every day. Notice what else it says here in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 19, and God's talking about, okay, the different laws in in Leviticus that God's giving to them on knowing how do we live as people of God in this promised land that you give us. And uh, Leviticus 19.9 says, when you reap the harvest of your land, don't reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Don't. Go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien or the poor and the foreigner. Wow. 
God, I need to build bigger barns. I need to save that for more because someday I might need it. From the very beginning, God was teaching his people that it's not just about you. That the blessings I give you, and yes, you do the planting, you do the watering, you do the weeding, you do the harvesting, and God bless you for that. But I gave you the ground, I gave you the seeds, I gave you the strength and the ability to do what you are doing. And so please, let others who haven't been blessed like you take the excess. Let others who haven't been given what you have been given in this land flowing with milk and honey as they come through your land, make sure you take care of them too. Because you know what? God's saying to them, I love them as much as I love you. I love that foreigner as much as I love you. I love that poor person as much as I love you. And so I want you to show the love to them that I have for them by letting them do a little bit of the harvesting for themselves. Let them pick up the scraps. Let them go around the edges. Let them have some more. And, 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 and don't do it with a, with a grudging heart. Why, he says, because I am the Lord your God. This is what I, your God, am like. Deuteronomy 15 says, If anyone is poor among you, among your people, in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Give generously to them. Don't do it with a grudging heart. Then because this is... a then because this is of the Lord your God, he will bless you with all your work and everything that your hand is put to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward those people. How many of you have heard somebody say, well, the poor are always going to be with you. Why do we have to keep giving them? We're not helping them. We're not fixing them. We're not making them rich. Why do we have to keep giving to the poor? And, and then we even say, well, Jesus said the poor will always... Well, Jesus was quoting this verse, but the verse following it says, Therefore I command you to be open-handed toward those of your people who are poor and needy in your land. In other words, yes, you will always have those who are more dependent upon others. That's why you have to be open-handed. That's why you have to be generous. That's why, because these people have not been blessed as you have been. And I love them as much as I love you, so you... Therefore, must, as a people of God, care for those who don't have enough. But if we live with a sense that we never have enough, who have been blessed by God, we don't leave the excess for those who also need what they need for their basic needs. So then Moses gave the order and they sent... Oh, I'm sorry. So God cares for others and will take care of you. So, so this is it. From the beginning of Scripture, God says, I will give you enough. And when you have enough, these are the things you do with the excess. One other passage and then we'll wrap it up. This is in Exodus chapter 36. This is when God appeared to Moses on Mount Sinai and he imparted the law to them. And he said, this is who I am. This is how I'm to be worshipped. And he gave them the plans for the tabernacle, which is this, 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 this temple that's portable. But it's to be made in very specific ways with the finest of materials. And, 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 and this is how God is to reveal himself to us in the way in which we worship him in the temple or in the tabernacle. So God gave out all these plans. And then he said to all the people who, by the way, when the last plague hit Egypt, 
said, go through the towns and villages and take what you want from the Egyptians so that you'll have. So God allowed them to take from the Egyptians the wealth of the land because they were slaves for so many years and it all went to the top. And so at the end, he said, okay, grab what you can and run. And that's what happened when the exodus took place. So they are here. All these people had all this stuff. And Moses said, okay, now it's time to build the tabernacle. Please bring your offerings. And they brought their gold and their silver and the fine materials and they, everything. And then notice in Exodus 36, that they brought too much. Imagine that. The people brought too much to build the, work, the, the tabernacle, to do the work of God. Later on when David was building, or when Solomon was building the temple, the same thing. When David was bringing the supplies to the temple, the same thing happened. But notice it says, And Moses gave an order, and they sent out this word through the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do the work. Wow. That's my dream. To say, oh, people, you give too much. Please, don't give any more. We have too much for what we can do. You know what? Maybe someday that will happen, but let me just say this. In this room, And in the other meeting places that we have, there is more than enough for what God wants Riverside to be. There is more than enough for what God wants us to become. There is more than enough for us to do the work of God that God wants us to do, to help people find and follow Jesus. There is more than enough for us to create the sacred spaces that we need to be able to communicate and have a place for people to partner and gather together and build a community. We have more than enough to pass on the faith to the next generation, our children and our students. We have more than enough to reach out beyond our walls to bless our communities and to reach out even farther that is already there because God is more than enough it's more than enough so we have this this disease of more the the monster of more and the inability to say okay I have enough and to push that plate away from us in all kinds of areas of our lives And without thinking, we think that this life is all about just an ever, ever increasing, expanding lifestyle. And we can say, okay, now I've reached a very comfortable lifestyle. I don't need more. Let's live within my means and let's see what we can do with the excess of what God wants me to do so that I can bless others. Yes, save enough for my retirement, but how do you need a better lifestyle in your retirement than you have now? Can you not just continue to live and to be able to bless others. I'm not even talking about sacrificial giving here. I'm just talking about living within the means that God has given us of saying, yeah, I, I do have enough for now. You know? That one, one bottle of soda is good for the day. I don't need two bottles of soda. And the two bucks it cost me for the second bottle of soda, let me save that and let me, let me give it to somebody that's needy. Let me put it in my my coins for kids and give it to children, orphans in Cambodia. Let me do it in some way that I can bless others with the excess. I don't need more. The first Puchki was enough. I don't need the second one. It's not good for me. 
So what's the takeaway? I, I think that's just simply it. The ability to say enough. Enough is enough. Let's just say that. Enough is enough. enough. Say it again. Enough is enough. Again. Again. That's the word for the day. And with the excess, you know, let's, let's give it to children. Let's, let's give it to somebody in the congregation that doesn't have enough. Let's help out somebody who's going through a crisis right now. Let's care for a family that just doesn't know where their next meal is coming from. Let's, let's do something with it that's really going to be the heart of God. Because God has given us more than we are ever, ever, ever able to give back. He has given us more love, more grace, more mercy than we could ever give back. And he's given us more of this life that we'll ever need. God is more than enough for us. And when we believe that the big G God is more than enough, then those little G gods are not going to be too much for us. Don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but hope in God, who is more than enough. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Lord, we just come to you this morning and ask that you would let that word enough just rattle around inside of our heads. This week, Give us moments of realization where we can just say, oh, that's the word enough. I've had enough. I've had enough. And I I can say no to that because I have enough. I have enough. Help us to be grateful for what we have and, and, and not envious of what others have. Help us to be able to be ready to release the excess of what we have so that so that it might be used in ways to touch and change other people's lives. Help us to realize the good that we can do for other people that far pales in comparison when we think about what we want and what we need in our own lives. And and Lord, more than anything else this week, I pray for those moments where you help us to consider how wonderful and amazing and generous you are to us. That unspeakable gift of your grace through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to realize that you are so much more than enough for us and how good and sufficient you are so that we can live with a sense of abundance and not scarcity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.